Hello, Character Arc listeners. Welcome to the Character Arc Podcast, where each week we discuss a movie that we just watched. Uh, we're going to give a brief, uh, fun synopsis of the film. Then we're going to talk about what we liked, what we didn't like, and some changes we would make if we were the ones making the movie. I'm Richard Bertelson. And I am Ted Hong. And this week we watched Dr. Sleep. Sleep. When I was a kid, there was a place. A dark place. They closed it down and let it rot. But the things that lived there. They come back. My synopsis for Dr. Sleep is an old drunk takes his friend on an adventure that leads to his suicide before abducting a small child. Yep, that sounds about right. My synopsis is uh, art imitates life, and that's the life of Ewan McGregor as he hugs a, yet another toilet and leaves a, an overdosed woman choking on her vomit and puts her baby next to her just for giggles and then leaves while also taking her money. You know, uh, just a really brief aside, we talked in, in Extraction. I made the point that like Chris Hemsworth doesn't look like a drunk. This movie actually did a really good job with that. Like, Ewan McGregor looks real rough in the first part, and then later he actually looks healthier when he stops drinking. Someone actually cared to be like, no, a life of drinking takes a toll on you. Anyway, I thought that was kind of cool. Although I do think it's kind of weird, because eight years had passed. Why would you... I I just don't understand. Plus, it looked like nothing had changed. For eight years to have passed? Are you wondering why eight years passed in the movie at all? Like, why we did that jump? I kind of think that somewhere around him walking into that town, you didn't really need any of the movie before that anyway. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, there, there's your shave off 20 minutes. I've just re- the, the first 20 minutes are just remember The Shining because that happened. But yeah. also, I think for a sequel, it's okay to walk in, assuming the audience knows that. Um, I will agree. But it's almost the standalone film primarily because. The, the time. Sequel, I mean, and also the. 1980. I, and I do know that this. The Shining gets criticized from Stephen King. I never read The Shining, but it gets criticized from Stephen King because it is not a very faithful adaptation of his book. Right, correct. So this movie has a really weird balancing act to be a sequel to both because Mm -hmm. I'm sure some of that made it difficult for him to adapt if things were left out of the original. Because I I do know that Kubrick's film puts less of a premium on the magic stuff. Um, Yeah, there was this was definitely more pronounced here. This is about wrapping all that stuff up. It's kind of hard to be like, uh, the first one you kind of tried to ignore it as much as possible. So, but Which, this is so central, mm-hmm. but this is also a sequel to that movie, but also we can't ignore the magic stuff. And the first one doesn't ignore it. It's just, it's not a prominent part of that right. film. Mm-hmm. Real quick, the, the actual, actual plot of this film yeah. is that uh, Danny Torrance, the small child from The Shining, He's all grown up, um, and in order to sort of suppress his demons, he drinks himself for 20 years, I guess. Uh, at some point, though, after living a life of blacked out and hung over all the time, he kind of meets someone as he's traveling out of town, and they help him get his life back in order. He gets a job. He gets two jobs in Teeny Town and <laughs> helping a cat kill people. <laughs> <laughs> And he gets becomes in contact with this girl who also has a very powerful form of his gift, his shining, if you will. <laughs> and somewhere else, there's a caravan of 
travelers who feed on children with this magic power because it gives them unnatural long life. This girl who talks to Danny also sees them kill a kid, and she asks Danny to intervene, essentially stop them. Danny eventually, things happen, reluctantly does try to stop them, especially once they target this girl. Yeah, that's the movie. Did you like the movie, Ted? How did you, how'd you feel overall? I, I did enjoy the movie. There are some changes that I would make, and uh, I think one of them would be kind of pacing. And um, The stakes were there. I think it was really good, especially when you see what happens to the victims. But at the same time... Which is the, to eat the kids, these, this little band of misfit magic eaters, they, um, they make the kid kind of has to scream and emit fear and pain. And so right. when they kill the agonizing. kids, yeah. they don't just kill them. They, like, they torture they them. They torture them, yeah. yeah. I feel like usually kids in like movies are usually on the safer end primarily because it is pretty reprehensible. Right. Um, but that's kind of that kind of goes to show why these guys are beyond redemption right. at this point, right? Right. In horror movies, the kids are usually either safe or the creepy one. Or the creepy um, Unless the movie is specifically about the death of a child, in which case that is like the, the one child death is like the central everything of the movie. Right. And so the, the fact that, you know, the horror part of this is that these guys kill kids is... Especially basis, yeah. heinous and does mm-hmm. make them you as an audience member, you you hate them pretty quickly. Yeah. I like it. I think it's good. I don't I have a problem with the fact that I think when you mentioned pacing, I think that I never felt very much tension in the film ever. I liked the characters well enough and understood the world well enough that I was along for the ride, but it didn't really it didn't spark, it never sparked fear excitement anxiety it was right, just kind right. of like just along for the ride this is a decent little tale that i'm watching yeah also it's one of those things where i do kind of feel like if i were to stop watching it and picking it up later i'd be fine with that i was never like oh no i need to finish this right i was just kind of like i would finish it if i got interrupted but i wouldn't be rushing to i'd be like yeah yeah i i'll check in with with old danny today right. it's almost like it could have been a th- it could have been three one hour parts of a miniseries See, that, or something exact, like that. That's, it's funny that you say that because that's what I was thinking when they parked a car to dig up uh, the kid. I think his name is Trevor. I was thinking, I was like, man, this feels like I'm watching True Detective because right. it's just long and extended. It's too long for what it is. It needs to be, which again, it's good filmmaking, excellent performances by oh, everyone. For sure. It's worth watching, especially if you're a fan. Like, I'm not a fan of Stephen King, but if you are, I'm sure you'll like it a lot. It's hard to call it a horror movie. It is in parts, and then in other parts it's not. Like, which is weird to say that, oh, well, this half of the movie isn't this half of the movie. It's not that clear, but it's like, but no, the movie is is almost three hours long. And, like, this 45-minute segment is different from this 45-minute segment. It's different enough in feeling and, like, energy. The that, tones change. Yeah. Yeah. That it, it, it almost feels like it needs to be broken up because I don't need to sit here for three hours and watch it. But I think that either either you make it a drama and then you need to give me more more punch, more emotional punch than this ever had. A scene where I'm like on the edge of like, I, it hits me in the feels in some way, which, right. which I would say Ewan McGregor's performance in the scene with his father almost got there, but... Not enough. Not enough. Like, I, I needed to see more with his dad and other things, which I know mm-hmm. his dad's been dead, but maybe that could have been part of the haunting, the, the, you know, the, the power that he has, right. that there was a little more connection there. And I don't think the scene made me feel that way. I think Ewan McGregor's performance made me feel that way because... You saw more of him yeah. than him kind of... Near, uh, He's welling up in his eyes and uh-huh. like you can see his frustration because he just wants to talk to his dad. You see the impact yeah. from him, not right. so much from 
the character himself. And I mean, so, I don't mean, uh, you know, Jack's character. And so that really works, but because he's because he is an actor is carrying that. I would love a movie that took me on the right journey. That if I'm watching this kind of slow character drama, that I felt that like really powerful in that moment, and maybe give me another moment with with Abra, the girl that uh, the that has the shining as well. Give me a truly strong emotional moment, like when her dad dies, or when she connects with her mom. Because the connection with her mom, like I get the end, kind of wraps that up. But make that a powerful emotional moment, because what you what you're showing me is something that's paced, kind of like pacing wise. Mm -hmm. You're you're showing me something that has the kind of pacing of like an Oscar bait sort of drama. But or what you could do otherwise is, if it's a fantasy action horror, then you need better action and horror meaning more more powerful and striking like when they're when they're fighting in the woods when they trick the travelers into thinking that she's somewhere and then it's a trap sprung by danny and his friend mm-hmm. tony and they just start shooting from the woods that's that seems kind of boring it was very straightforward like, yeah it was like, not there was no suspension him, uh, uh, suspense built let him constantine that shit like in the yeah. room when he kills all the dudes with the holy water oh, that was <laughs> like get, it's it's not action or horror exciting enough, and it's not powerful enough as a drama that it all is just so even and low key and good. But if I'm but investing this kind of time, I want to feel it more in one way or the other, and I don't care which way, just in one way or the other. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, I I would definitely not characterize this as a horror. I like the supernatural element. I do like the drama, although could have been more concise and. A little bit more poignant. Yeah, and more action. So in, in describing that scene, there are, I would say, superfluous characters because there are three characters that die. We never really know the extent of what they can do. Really, you have the the main ones. You had the older guy in the group, the knot, as they are called. Um, the older guy, you have the main baddie. I just forgot her name. Rose. Rose. Um, or Rosie. Crow. Yeah, Rose, Rosie. And then you had the new recruit who's a pusher, right? But then you had the other characters. You don't really see what they can do. Right, it's so weird, and there's nothing really involved just just to have a very straightforward shootout, which is very non and it's entertaining. It's, yeah, it's 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 dull. It's yeah, anticlimactic it's dull. Yeah. in a weird way because it's, you do assume that they have some other powers when they label her as a pusher. You're like, oh, which is that she can say something to someone and they do it. And they like have to, right? Which um, implies that there are other forms. Right. Other, they, they have. Na- the, if you other, name one thing, then you you're gonna name other powers too. You yeah. you only have to label something as different than other things if there are different things. But then they all kind of share <laughs> the same powers essentially. And even that, like where where I say like the movie never has those punches. It's like they keep talking about Rosie like she's so crazy powerful. Even Danny's like we have to go to the Overlook Hotel because right. I don't think we're strong enough to beat her. Why not? Right. What can she do other than? eat children what can she do <laughs> right we never see what she can do she never even in that fight all she does is axe him in the groin yeah <laughs> like which uh, <laughs> we all cringed at that but, okay. but, what, but what is her power she must have some kind of power for them to be so afraid of her but in actuality and to be the leader so to speak right right because it kind of hurts the movie uh, from a tension standpoint mm-hmm. like i don't have a problem with the characters or anything like that but from a tension right, standpoint right. it hurts the movie that abra the child is very clearly more powerful than any of them. So I never felt like she should be that afraid. Mm-hmm. I, in fact, I kind of thought at some point in the movie... I thought she was going to be telekinetic. I, I thought that once they discovered that they were after her, I said that they, they were going to like go and John Wick the group, yeah. which is like, 
that's how the that's if you make your protagonist or your like your co-protagonist so powerful, then that's how the movie has to go. Yeah. It has to be like this revenge fantasy, mm-hmm. which could which would have there's got to be a payoff. It would have been really fun because okay, we see the horrific death of the the kid, the Brad kid, and so from there you hate that group. You want to see them pay for it. You have this super powerful child prodigy. Have her go with Danny and just give me a balls to the wall, them killing the shit out of these people. Right. But that's not what happened. Everything just kind of fizzles and like See, slowly. Yeah. And this is what I said to you. I was like, I hope there's like a crazy, like Doctor Strange level type of battle where. Okay. So if you remember with Doctor Strange and Thanos, I know some people might be hating me for saying this, but if a lot of it is happening in like this dreamscape and it already seems like, you know, it was very disorienting with how the camera moves and it's like it's twisting. Um, and gravity seems to be a little bit altered. If they had done something more like that mm-hmm. while shooting each other, I mean, just imagine that. that Those things that are going hand in hand. like Because that's you, what the movie's kind of it promising was leading you. to. Yeah, yeah. That, it, that's what it was leading to. Because they, they're in each other's heads all the time. And it's like, but it's, it's, used, it's used to good effect when Rosie first goes to Abra and then Abra's like sprung a trap on her. Uh-huh. But. It that felt like that scene felt like a tease of like oh you think Worry this about, is intense yeah. when they actually go at it it's going to be crazy but it's not it doesn't yeah I will say it's not quite M Night Shyamalan action where he tends to avoid it like there's always this build up like some sort of payoff right. is going to happen but I think you're referring it. to the horrific end of glass <laughs> yes the most boring uh, action scene ever recorded on that film. I'm comparing it to that but it was it's, better this is better than this that is by, better by a yeah. mile yeah. yeah. Um, but it is but I know what you mean. within the same realm, which is unfortunate because Just, there's a, there's so much. I love this kind of kind, these kinds of uh, these stories. Uh, there is a side character who ends up like growing up into something, and then they get their own story. In another example, Nightwing is one of my favorite characters mm-hmm. in the Batman and DC, right? Because he, you know, from where he came from, he was laughable, I guess, because people always being the sidekick. But then he kind of becomes his own thing, and I think I like that. There's you're tying, just so the audience isn't lost, you're tying this to the yeah. fact that Danny is not the main character of The Shining, at least not the film. Right. And so, the and it's a cool way to do a sequel because yeah. you don't have to continue the same story. You can tell a new story in the same universe. Exactly. With a character who was around, but it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to follow the same exact thread. Right. Because you took I, someone from the side. Exactly. I particularly like that because, because if you do something of a series or a trilogy or a sequel, for some reason, and a lot of stories do this, or a lot of movies when they do sequels, they tend to invalidate whatever happened in the previous movie. Like, lessons learned in the in the previous one, that's just out the window now. I think I would have liked to see more of him suppressing, because, uh, you know, with, like, the metaphor of, like, boxing everything and then him drinking to nullify whatever the hell's going on in his mm-hmm. head. He's just trying to shove it down. Whereas meeting Abra and allowing her to shine <laughs> <laughs> inspires him to do more. And I would have liked to see that. I do like the aspect of the best friend um, coming through and like, you know, uh, that really just gets me. I love I love seeing that. Like someone being good and just like, hey, man, I'm giving yeah. you a chance. I think the movie would benefit, though, from being about two hours and like cut a half hour. Just Somehow, a bit shorter. Even if you cut this, even if you keep the same information, because I do kind of think the movie, like the main crux of this film which is when we know exactly what the the, the knot is going to do and exactly who Abra is and exactly who uh, Danny is and or what he's po- poised to be able to do in the story. Right. It's an hour. Mm-hmm. It's an hour into the film. Right. That's it that's kind a, of inexcusable. Yeah, it the, took a the long main time. thread of your film doesn't start until an hour into it. I I 
I do think the movie could have started 15 minutes later than it did. I do think that you could have better organized some stuff at the beginning and got us there faster so that we are along for the ride. Because the ride's fine. The construction of the, like the, the filmmaking at play here is fine. It's good. But it really just... It, it needs to get us started on the story that you're telling us, and it, it doesn't. And that's why by the time you're into stuff that is more interesting and better... You know, sometimes a problem can be you don't establish things well enough, but mm-hmm. this movie does, and then some. And so they do it too much. I, we we can get where we're at without the movie so slowly feeding it to us. I think part of it is the technical aspect where um, certain shots are drawn out, and you could kind of cut it. You could shave off a few seconds, honestly, and I think that would accumulate in terms of time. I think restructuring certain things to just kind of hit the point. Like, I'm not saying to where it's ultimately super efficient, because some of that fluff allows that yeah. kind of... You want... This movie has a... That's what I'm saying. Like, you wouldn't want this movie to be less than two hours, because this movie has a has a, has a, has a, has a a deliberate pacing and feel to it that I right. think the director wanted. Mm-hmm. But I think he just went too far. And so, you don't need... Like, the, the scene where we learn that Abra is has powers... We don't need to watch the magician do his tricks for the like his full fucking performance. Right. We could have just cut to we get introduced to Abra's character just in the scene in the kitchen where the, the spoons are stuck to the ceiling and the girls in the hallway and the parents look. That's all we need because the only thing that's two scenes that establish one thing. Right. And we don't need them both. The magician's performance doesn't really add anything to that. No. Yeah. Or get rid of the kitchen and show her just manipulate the spoons while the magician's doing it like one or the other just pick one that aspect yeah, yeah it could have been collapsed meaning yeah. like yeah okay so let's say that the same goes spoons for, up in the ceiling right yeah they could maybe the dad or the parents it's her, it's her birthday and they're doing something it's like and he shows her a very cheeky kind of magic trick and she's like oh yeah i can do that too and it's a direct comparison right instead of like the magician's doing his tricks outside in the backyard and then later on we see that the mom's like looking at the spoons in the ceiling having that like really just back to back Mm-hmm. Would really show that comparison and also the shock value. And the same thing can go for for Danny's character. I I I don't need to see him as a child. Like I don't in this movie. I think, or at least not in the way that this movie did. Maybe you can have a maybe you can have like moments, moments, like the yeah, flashback, flashes, yeah. But but the movie starts with like ten or fifteen minutes of him as a kid mm-hmm. and his mom and all that stuff. Like and you don't you don't need that. Like you start with start with Ewan McGregor's character with the woman he leaves to die, right. you know, overdosed or whatever. Um, like, that's the opening scene. For one, it's a punchy scene. And you're like, oh, what's going on here? Right. And then to make it clear to the audience that it's Danny Torrance, then, like, he can talk to his friend. I uh, don't remember the name of his friend who on the Dick? astral plane or Dick, yes. Yeah, he's in the, the original movie. And so he can talk to him, and then you can get the information about the box. But then he's like, oh, I don't want to talk to you. I want to mm-hmm. leave all this behind. You right. know, thanks for telling me about the boxes. I'm off. And then he's in, then he's in the town where he starts his life over again. We've just cut out 10 minutes of the movie. And there is no information missing, but you just get going. Yeah. See, I think part of the struggle in the jump from him learning to box the demons um, to him being a drunk doesn't quite like conceivably you can make the logical jump. But I think seeing in the movie in terms of cutting some stuff out and including this where because it's also weird to see him use his abilities Especially when he takes over Abra and then, I don't know, it's like he has certain abilities and that's something I would have liked to see kind of more fleshed out because then when you see it later on, it's like a, you know, it's like when it's a, it's a throwback for a joke, right? right? 
You were referencing something that had already been uh, introduced, kind of like when we were talking about Onward. Yeah, the, that would that would have been really more succinct and more uh, there would have been more of an impact. The things that are in earlier in the movie are establishing things and telling you things. They're just not doing it in a punchy or interesting connected way. And then also like when he does use those powers, like you kind of get that those are powers that he can do by osmosis and that meaning you can assume he could do it because like it didn't feel weird that he took control of her and right. you know did the th- and then moved the steering wheel when the guy was taking her away. I didn't disbelieve that because I'm pretty sure that was Abra. Because she can just, do that. Yeah. Or so why couldn't he? But like the movie doesn't really clearly establish what he can do other than talk to other people. Than, mm-hmm. So yeah, having seen that it's mushy. Like, it's all like, like a little mushy. So that's what I'm saying like his abilities, he tries to suppress it, but every time like he can't. So alcohol ends up being his crutch, right? So he can suppress it. But then he kind of, it goes too far. Plus with his dad's characteristics, you know, like the whole, I don't know, hereditary kind of thing where it's like he's got his father's temper. He's got his father's alcoholism, right? So in an effort to where it was supposed to be a Band-Aid, it ended up being his own problem. I think I would have liked to see that because then we also get an idea of his abilities and then seeing where he took it too far. Because like even at the end where she's like sucking his steam and she's like oh this is this is still tasty at your age what she's really very (laughs) pedophilic (laughs) you know (laughs) right (laughs) so you're supposed to believe that there's something incredibly special about him so let's see more of that i mean in the sense like as the audience right he doesn't necessarily have to show it we know that he has these abilities but he doesn't want to use it and i think going to it like it's not that the movie doesn't not that the movie, do- it's not that you don't understand these things about the, the, in the movie. The movie does communicate these things to you. It is just bad about doing it in a way that's, that's powerful and mm-hmm. like that hits you in a way that's really strong, the way you kind of want a movie to. You're not saying that the movie, that's absent from the movie in any way, shape, or no, form. No. It's just, it's not punchy. It's not, it doesn't hit you right. It's not like, as sharp. It could be stronger. Yeah. yeah. It just makes the movie, again, not bad, just kind of a little duller of an edge than it. <laughs> Could right. be. Yeah, because like when he does, be. when he uses his abilities, I'm not like, well, that came out of nowhere, although a little bit. But I just want to touch on a couple real quick things. Yeah, hit it. Who made the canisters that they stored the steam, the human, so- the child, child souls in? Good. Who, who manufactures those? Who manufactures those? those? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, <laughs> Rose, we need some more canisters. soul canisters. Because <laughs> they're, they're not just containers they're like they're a piece yeah. of technology quite clearly yeah with <laughs> flaps that open up like a flower it's like those are specifically made and then yeah, very good question <laughs> and then we talked about it where the the knot they mostly seem like a group of like five people who are more or less like they live in the woods and right. they just prey on rich. kids but it's mentioned later, oh, no, you can't call the cops because they're rich and powerful. And it's like, are they? Are we they never though? see yeah. that in any way. It would make sense. Actually, that makes more sense than the way that they are. Like, if they've truly been around and they've watched the fall of Rome, as it says, yeah. they should actually be in boardrooms at, like, the top of companies. They would, yeah, have more this, influence. And kind of creating their own little the actual, system of, right. just <laughs> of food. Feed, just get kids coming in. Yeah, <laughs> The way that... This movie actually, it's, I would have never thought about it, but the movie almost points out to you, this doesn't make sense. Right. And then it just brushes over it. <laughs> it's like, you're right, this doesn't actually... I mean, the movie doesn't say it doesn't make sense. The movie says, no, it makes sense because I'm telling you this is the way it is, but then you're like, but you've been Wait. showing me the, other, the opposite things. of that forever. Yeah. And yeah. then we mentioned that one aerial shot when they go to 
uh, kill Brad, the baseball boy. Yeah. Where it shows their caravan is like 30 vehicles long. They have but, a semi, yeah. but, but, but then there's only one and then RV. I, even then, I thought, okay, well, the movie's just because the other characters in this group aren't important, the movie's just not really showing us them. Mm-hmm. But later, when, um, Crow, Crow Daddy, <laughs> the fucking Stephen King. Anyway, <laughs> just fucking. Uh, I, I have an issue with some of the ways that Stephen King writes, and that's one of them. Um, people always have fucking nicknames that are just ridiculous and stupid sounding. But anyway, he says specifically that that they killed them all, that he and Rosie were the only ones left. So that means there isn't more that we're not seeing. I mean, in their oh, group. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, in yeah, their group. There, there may be others in the right, world. Right. But I mean, I thought, okay, well, they're just not showing, but actually Rosie back at camp is still with like 20 people we're just not looking at. But uh-huh. then Crow Daddy specifically says, no, they're all dead. It's like, then who was driving all those fucking trucks? Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's so weird. It's, I, I pointed that out. Yeah. yeah. It stands <laughs> out especially because the movie's actually fairly good about its world. Mm-hmm. It feels fairly consistent for the most part, even though we would like to see certain things highlighted better. The movie's not inconsistent for the most part, but this little thing about who the knot is and how they work and how many of them are right. is actually straight up inconsistent at times. It doesn't really make sense. Yeah. Anyway. The excuse for not calling the police or having officials join in. I remember saying that what they could have said something like in terms of changes for us, uh, if we were to make this, is that they have powers or they have abilities that can influence with more people. So it would be risky to involve more people because it could turn. Because they would kill more people. Yeah. Because you would hurt. You're putting too many people at risk. Right. That would have been much more logical on that front. Because obviously it's just a narrative tool to be like, well, we only want these characters to deal with these characters. Yeah. But, and that's fine. Writers are allowed to do that. You're allowed to, as the screenwriter, Steve, I don't know if this is different from the book. So I'm not putting that on him or anything like that. I'm just the, whoever wrote the script, regardless of what the source material says, if you need to come up with a reason why your main characters deal with it without law enforcement, you can come up with a better reason than they did. Like you can always come up. It's okay to sort of force the plot to get your show down, but you need to do it in a way that's not like what? Yeah. It doesn't stop the audience and be like, well, Mm -hmm. that doesn't really make sense. Right. Final thoughts. It's a solid piece of filmmaking and it's worth watching. That's kind of it. I, I, I don't, it's not mind blowing, but I, I think it's a worthy piece of cinema to watch. Yeah, yeah, uh, I agree. Um, I don't quite like the title. I think it's a little, it falls flat. Which kind of like this movie, it is above average, which is great because it, it does make use of like of space. Uh, no, it's a it's a visually appealing. Film. It is. Yeah. Uh, I think it could it could benefit by being more concise. Like for example, okay, so when um, Rose a- astral projects or goes looking. Whatever she's a looker, that what whatever the term was. <laughs> anyway, she goes and like we're watching for two minutes. I'm assuming, what felt like two minutes. Her just like looking above the city where you said she was in space. Yeah, yeah. It's it's drawn out and it looks weird. Like it's. But you don't need that that know, long of a shot. You understand already. You just just what I I mean honestly. Like when she starts to because how that scene is, she's sitting there kind of meditating. The the background fades out into just stars. Yeah, and then. It goes too far when it just shows her straight up just like flying around. But it's like, just have the background go change. Mm-hmm. And now she's in her room. But instead, we watched a trippy 70s music video about her flying through space. It's also kind of weird because they see the outside and then 
later on they discuss and they said, oh, she only saw your room, right? Which is obviously not the case. Because she saw the front of the house. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, same goes when they go through like people's head libraries and stuff, which this movie does better. Part of my problem with, with some of the Stephen King stuff is that, especially in his movie adaptations, one of the reasons why I don't like a lot of movie adaptations of Stephen King, especially even though some of them are very good, is that he's adapted too literally. And I think... If he said in the book that she fucking flew through space, you don't have to put that on camera. It's okay to be like, this looks weird. I'm just going to kind of reimagine it a little bit. Some uh, creative Uh, license. Yeah. Right. And I think that too often you get, like, in a lot of the stuff when we watched it, it's just some of these things aren't really scary looking. They look weird and dumb. And it's because just because something creeps you out or feels unsettling when you read it on a page, it may not come across that way on screen. Right. What we see in our head and what we see on screen doesn't always match. And so it's your job as as someone who's adapting the work to be like, okay, if I put this exact image on screen, it makes me feel different than I want it to. So what what image can I put on the screen instead that makes me feel the way the book makes you feel? Even though it doesn't look, even though it's not exactly what the book said, how do I get that feeling? That same feeling. You don't need right. to transcribe the exact thing, which this movie does a better job than a lot of the other ones. worst adaptations of his work. It's a good adaptation. Mm-hmm. Or it's a good film, at least I've never read the book, so I don't know directly how quality the actual adaptation is, but it's good. Because even though I think there's a couple spots where that you can point that out, where the, the adaptation is too literal, at least for the most part it avoids that. But I think this movie could have helped. I don't you don't need to see like literal cupboards of note cards of people's memories like uh, it just it feels i'm okay just, it with feels that corny and weird to me it doesn't feel like a thing well i mean that wasn't really featured too long I, that's why i think this movie does it better yeah. i think i think i think it's fine in this movie because yeah. it's very brief and you mm-hmm. get the point they're making yeah it was very i quick. think that there are worse adaptations of his work where you will you will see directors be like we're gonna spend a shit ton of time in this person's mind library right. and it's like okay but so that's where this movie kind of excels for me. But, but yeah, overall, uh, like the style, uh, it would have made it in tone. It would have made it well. punchier and cr- sort of creepier too. That she just like the background fades out and she's she's suddenly in the presence, as opposed to like it. Yeah, it stops and it makes you feel like, okay, does she just like joyride in space now? Like, and it, it takes away the tension because you're just because like, you show everything. You're explaining yeah. everything essentially, right? We know that she has the ability to. To look through the other person's like, eyes. So just, just I, she's that. also less creepy because it's like, well, if she can just appear in my room in my mind's eye, that's terrifying. Right. If she has to fly around and kind of look for me through the city, then I'm kind of like, I got time. I'm right. good. Because I think what would up, I think what would up the the fear is that she could do it with ease. Right. right? right. So there you go. Yeah. Um, making it more pithy. Yeah. I think would have enhanced that level of tension. Agreed. Um, so the director's cut of this movie is three hour, is a full three hours long. I would like to see the cut of this movie that is the opposite direction because it's a good movie. So the audience cut? Yes. <laughs> but let's see, let's see a more streamlined, punchy version of it. Um, but yeah. yeah. Thank you so much for listening to the Character Arc podcast. Um, you can find us at Character Arc on Instagram and Facebook. You can find us at characterarc.net. Uh, please do rate and subscribe wherever you can do that we are on all the podcasting apps so if you're on itunes go ahead and give us a five stars that helps us a lot um i'm richard bertelson and i'm ted hong thank you thank you thank you the doctor's got a prescription and it's for sleep oh my god just ended (laughs)